0: I'm supposed to talk about the seasons of the church year, and I'm going to do that unless you all know all about the seasons of the church year. I do not. You do not. I've heard of well, you've heard of them. <laughs> Good. I, I grew up, I, I was telling Laura that I grew, grew up in the uh, congregational and, uh, and uh, Methodist churches, and I didn't know anything about the, the, the seasons of the church year. I was vaguely familiar that there was something called Lent. And that was around Easter, and that meant giving up something. That was my understanding of the seasons of the church here. But the, the depth of understanding really has to go back to uh, understanding how we have a, a church calendar. And the early church didn't have a church calendar. I mean, let's be very honest about this. The early, the early converts were Jews. So they were still going to temple or... Uh, you know, Sabbath worship on Saturday and doing Jewish worship, which included. Yes, and, and, and the Christian calendar is remarkably tied to that in some ways. Um, but yeah, they, they, they were just going on a Saturday. They were being good Jews, but they were also going on Sunday, uh, a lot of them, because that was uh, a celebration of the resurrection of the Lord, it's, and people that talk about the Sabbath and we don't keep the Sabbath. No, we don't. We're Christians. We celebrate the day of resurrection. Good morning. I'm I'm Marty. Morgan, good. Laura, Cecilia, Steve. See, when we're small like this, we we get uh, more. Yeah. Uh, so the early church really didn't have a calendar. that they, they were just gathered for worship. It was only in around the uh, third or fourth century that think, these were where I said I get my notes, my whole notes. Um, Are you familiar with the Council of Nicaea? Have have you heard of that? I mean, we use the Nicene Creed here. I actually, uh, when I uh, visited with uh, Brady once, I. I asked, you know, what is the mission statement of the church? And he brought out the Nicene Creed, and I said, okay. You know, (laughs) the Council of Nicaea was a a rather contentious uh, gathering of bishops of the early church in the fourth century with the idea of of trying to come up with a statement of faith that uh, somehow addressed the heresies that were present. At that time, and the most of the heresies at that time had to do with uh, who is who is Christ? Is he fully human? Is he fully divine? And heretics on both sides existed. Some that said he wasn't fully human. Some that said he wasn't fully divine. And they and they hashed this out in this council, um, and and came up with that statement. Also at that time, though they set they set the date of. Uh, Easter. Now, Easter is a movable feast. You understand what that means? It doesn't come on the same day every year. Christmas is not a movable feast. Always December 25th. Easter is uh, associated somehow with the Passover. But the determination of the date of Easter, if you are interested and you ever just want to have to figure this out on your own it's the first sunday after the first full moon that follows the spring equinox okay so the spring equinox is march 21st so the earliest date that a easter could occur would be March 22nd, first Sunday after first full moon, and the latest date I know this I just wrote down is April the 25th. So you, Easter moves around, but that was the first of the celebrations that was um, really uh, given high regard. Easter. I mean, this is the celebration of Jesus's resurrection. This is a celebration of of the understanding of uh, of the the miracle that happened on that third day the, the the resurrection of Jesus Christ and every sunday is a memorial of that easter that's that's the church's understanding every sunday is uh, is a resurrection celebration so every sunday is is a feast day now i mention that because the ancient church had a lot of times of fasting. This, again, was pretty much tied with the Jewish uh, tradition of of, uh, of uh, a discipline to come into a better spiritual understanding. So fasting was common in both Judaism and early Christianity. Uh, actually, there, anybody here grow up uh, Catholic? Yeah, my wife, too. So... <laughs> uh, Fish on Fridays? Yes. Uh, did you also uh, do something on Wednesdays? Dash Wednesday. Yes, Ash Wednesday. Uh, it used to be that both Wednesday and Friday were considered days of abstinence or fasting. Um, later on, I, uh, since Vatican II, things have changed drastically. I'm not sure that they even do uh, abstinence on Fridays anymore, but Yeah, it, and it's it, personal piety and so on. I mean, there's there's all sorts and uh, conditions of folk um, in the church. Uh, some that are more uh, devout in their practices, and some that are uh, a little bit more uh, lenient. Anyway, Easter was that first date that was established. Sometime in the uh, around that same time, it was in the, actually. Uh, around 395, that we first get uh, an establishment of the 25th of December as a date for celebrating Christmas. And there was some argument in the early church about whether it ought to be that date or January, uh, January 6th. January 6th, stick out to anybody as an important date? Epiphany. Epiphany. My gosh <laughs> you you know the church calendar church. in the episcopal church good, uh, yes, so epiphany, so there was this argument about which date they ended up setting it on on uh, december twenty fifth that's the early church saint john chrysostom is the is the person that we uh, see recording this it's, let's make this the official date. He was a bishop um, so th- the, the Easter was the first of the celebrations. Christmas was established in there. Um, to prepare for Easter, there was this idea, and this again was uh, uh, part of it uh, related to um, Constantine. Everybody familiar with Constantine? Emperor Constantine made, made Christianity okay. Actually made it the state religion. But his mother was devout. And she was uh, instrumental in, in, in bringing the faith in some of the practices and some of the um, holy articles of the faith uh, and preserving those. And that's a whole different matter. But uh, during the time of Constantine in there, that there was this idea that we could memorialize the events of those last days in Christ's journey. So... There was an establishment of what we call now Holy Week, and during Holy Week there are celebrations on Thursday, which is called the Monday Thursday service. Uh, Monday, either coming from the Latin mandare, which is command, the great command, love one another as I have loved you, or uh, from another Latin word mandate, which is to wash. That was the date of the washing of the feet. Feet. And one of the um, uh, parts of the liturgy, if it's done, is washing of feet. Now, uh, not all of the uh, liturgical churches do that. There's some that don't want to deal with feet anymore and they'll wash hands. And uh, Yeah, I, I find that to be a very meaningful uh, kind of an experience when you're holding somebody's feet and Washing them and drying them off. I mean, there's something very humbling about that, and it connects you a little bit with Christ. So Monday Thursday uh, is, a, is a, tr- a tremendously powerful service when done correctly. I'll talk about that if you're interested at some other time. Um, Good Friday was a second service. Um, many churches observe that with great three hours meditations. I know they do that downtown. Um, <clears throat> I think at First Press they do that using all the pastors of the city uh, doing a meditation. I was over there one year. Uh, I know Grace Church does a, the great three hours there. There's also a liturgy uh, that includes communion, but the communion is not celebrated. The the, the communion bread and wine have already been Pre consecrated on Monday Thursday because we're experiencing christ's death, the emptiness and the uh, the mystery of the uh, the aloneness the apartness god missingness, and then uh, Saturday, holy Saturday, when done correctly, the first Easter service occurs after midnight in the early church that service was the place where converts were baptized. And that was a service that would start at midnight and end at dawn with the rising of the sun. Uh, We don't do church that long anymore. I don't think most people would sit still for that kind of experience. But that was the early church. So those were hallmarks. Now, there were penitential seasons attached to these. Again, uh, going back to the Jewish roots and some of the sense of, of looking at things and being introspective, and that's how I like to think of these penitential uh, seasons in our calendar. And those are uh, the season of Lent, the great forty days. Anybody ever do the math on Lent? Well, you know, it starts. It starts. Yeah, it starts on Ash Wednesday and it ends on Easter Sunday. But there's more than 40 days in there. That's because every Sunday is a feast day and they're not included in those 40 days. I, it took me years to figure it out. You know, I, I just... <laughs> then somebody said, why are you fasting on Sunday? I said, well, I didn't know. Nobody told me. So you've been told. Um, so that was a, that's a great penitential season. The season of Advent is also a penitential season. Though not as uh, deliberately penitential as Lent, it's odd, but it's just not. And it's a four-week season. The season of Advent is uh, is movable, in the sense that it's always going to end with Christmas, but the four Sundays of Advent they're going to change depending on how the calendar looks. Okay, so here's how the here's how the church calendar Looks if you're going to do it in a circular way as we do with the regular ca- calendar. Regular ca- calendar goes January, February, March, April, May, June. Okay, Church calendar goes Advent. This is the beginning of the church year. So a couple of weeks ago, if anybody had walked up to you and been of the Episcopal background or Catholic background, we'd have said, Happy New Year. And you would have looked at us strangely and said, You're way early. Not in the church year. This is the beginning of the church year. Why? Because the themes of Advent, and each season does have themes, the themes of Advent are what? The coming of Christ. The beginning is the coming of Christ. The beginning is the birth of Christ. So Advent focuses us on Christmas, the incarnational event, the, the birth of Jesus, that gets us ready for that. That's the preparation. That's the Uh, penitential side but it's also and Glenn has mentioned this uh, I was here a couple of weeks ago listening to his uh, homily uh, his sermon and he was talking about this strange time that we live in between the first coming of Jesus and the second coming the incarnation has happened already but we expect Jesus to come again Christ has died Christ is risen Christ will come again um, we live in this in-between time, so Advent puts us into this directly into this uh, conflict of feeling and emotion, and penitentially it allows us to do some introspection. You know, how do we live in this in-between time? Uh, what God has intended has already been accomplished in Christ fully. However, it's not yet fully realized. Because Christ has not returned. So how do we live our life in this mix? That, that's what Advent says to me. And that's what our uh, focus, our meditation, our, our, our discipline, and I don't know whether anybody does any of the disciplines. That's a whole different thing. Fasting and prayer and meditation and those kind of things to help us to focus more, to, uh, to reclaim where we are okay so that's the church here advent begins then we have christmas the incarnation and the christmas season lasts for two sundays usually whatever it takes us to get to epiphany and it's usually two sundays at the most now if you're in a liturgical church that is observing things correctly you will not hear a christmas hymn until christmas we have some Advent hymns. Some of them are wonderful. Some of them are <laughs> not so. <laughs> they're they're pretty dreary. Um, but you won't hear a Christmas hymn until Christmas, and then we then we're really happy that Christmas is there because now we've got a Sunday or two to sing all of the Christmas music we haven't sung for. since Thanksgiving Uh, and if you're around town here they started seems like their Christmas music right around Halloween anyway Christmas season goes till Epiphany note that the, the, the time from Christmas to Epiphany is 12 days anybody ever wonder why we have the Wonderful song, the Twelve Days of Christmas. That's it. You now have the answer to that mysterious question that has just been uh, bothering you for all these. Yeah. Epiphany season. Uh, then, an epiphany means a manifestation, a showing forth, a display, and the and the uh, the first symbol of the epiphany and what is, uh, the reading for the Epiph uh, the, the service of, of, of epiphany is the magi. Okay. So that's, that's the first, that's the manifestation. That's the, uh, uh, manifestation, the presentation of God to the Gentiles. That's the understanding of the magi. And the epiphany season, um, lasts until Ash Wednesday, again. So this season can be longer or shorter depending on where Easter is going to uh, uh, come into play. Ash Wednesday, and, and the uh, less popular or less well-celebrated or maybe more well-celebrated uh, Shrove Tuesday. Anybody experience a Shrove Tuesday? Shrove. 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 Yeah, not, not Shrove, that's the chapel, yeah, I get Shrove, shrove Tuesday, uh, and Shrove comes from the word shriven, which is uh, ancient uh, English. Um, uh, shrove Tuesday is a preparation for Ash Wednesday, and it it's celebrated in the church usually with a big pancake supper. Is it the Fat Tuesday? Yes, that's Fat Tuesday and and party time well really because the next day ash wednesday if you're if you're diligent in observing any of this stuff there are two there are two fast days in the church i mean you can fast every friday you can do the wednesday absolutely but there are two if you're really observant there are two fast days ash wednesday and good friday they both fall within this uh this season of Lent. But Ash Wednesday, uh, Shrove Tuesday is not uh, on the church calendar other than we're going to have pancakes. And the idea was to get rid of all of the um, the fat before you get into the Lenten season because you're going into this penitential mode and you're uh, you're fasting in some sort of way. Ash Wednesday then is uh, the beginning of Lent and the theme of Lent is is obviously uh, penitential. We've heard in the Epiphany season, we've had all this uh, experience of the manifestation of God. We'll, we, we we have a reading on the Transfiguration in there. I can't remember all the others. But they are those kind of stories that just talk about God making himself known. Then the Lenten season says, we're getting ready for Easter, but we're depriving ourselves, we're experiencing some of this introspection, we're looking at what life is like um, in, the, in, in this reality, we're, we're looking at our mortality, we're dealing with ourselves. And the readings, um, I'll get to that later... <laughs> Well, the advent and lent are both penitential it, to different levels. Um, the season of of uh, Christmas is celebratory as is the season of Easter. No, no, fe- yes. I I you know, yeah, I I'd never use that language, but yes, you're partying. Oops, that's a big step. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, you might. You, you actually, you'd, you'd have to ask my wife about that. She knows more about the nuns. <laughs> I, I didn't have that experience in my upbringing, so I don't know. Yeah, it's it's celebratory. Yeah. Well, the Christmas season is is. Is obviously a celebration of the birth of Christ. When you get into Epiphany, this is. Let me let me let me give you a little clue here. This is a color clue. The seasons are there are colors associated with the, each season. The Lenten and Advent season, the color is purple, which is uh, just hist- I don't know why they picked these. Historically, that's a color of royalty but it's a color that's associated with penitence also so that's that's what we have for advent and lent for christmas and easter the color is white which is the color of uh, both incarnation and resurrection okay the season of epiphany the color is green and the color, uh, the, the other season that we have, we haven't talked about, is the season of Pentecost, or after Pentecost, the Sundays after Pentecost, which is the longest season. That, that is also green. Now, the green seasons are called, in, in some circles, are called the normal. This is just where life is lived. So Epiphany and, Pente- and Pentecost seasons are more liable to be, not as overtly celebratory as uh, Easter and Christmas. So we call those I think those ordinary. Things? Yes, ordinary. So ordinary and are those No. Not that well, ordinary time and that has to do with the ordinal and I'm I'm not prepared to answer that today. <laughs> 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 do you like that honesty? That's, that's yeah? But I can find the answer about that. Yeah. Yeah. So even though, because I think at any time, at least the way I live here is, the epiphany is green. Yes. And we would refer referred to that as ordinary time, yes. but not always. Like is any epiphany season ordinary time? Yes. Okay. Yes. So is, so is the season after Pentecost. Yes, yes, but, and then, you know, so, so let me get back to this, the circular, circular, cyclical look at the seasons, Advent, Christmas, Epiphany, Lent, Easter, and it's, Easter's, the season of Easter is often called the great 50 days, and that is celebratory. The readings during that time, you're going to hear the stories of uh, the appearances of Christ over and over again, um, and the season of Easter ends. Pentecost. Now, Pente- Pentecost is a. We were talking earlier it was a Jewish celebration, and. I expect that they still celebrate in some ways. Feast of Booths had to do with the harvest and all of that stuff. But for us, I mean, what is the Pentecost event? Uh, Yeah, the, the coming of the Holy Spirit. I mean, people call it the birthday of the church. There are all sorts of things that are associated with it. But the empowerment of God's people to do God's work in the world. So the season then after The day of Pentecost is called used to be called uh, something different. We didn't used to call it Pentecost. We used to call it Whit Sunday, Whit Sunday, White Sunday. That, yeah, Pentecost, but that's a little archaic. And we've, sorry, we reclaimed a lot of this in the in the uh, 50s and 60s during a time of uh, liturgical uh, renewal. And I was talking earlier, uh, Laura, about the you know the reclaiming the roots of the church, you know, uh, getting away from some of that churchy stuff that had come in and taken over, and getting to the place of really understanding what what, what was going on. So that that's the church year. Now, even the Pentecost system is uh, is sort of divided into two thematic pieces. The first is. Uh, you know, the, the empowerment and the spirit and the kind of the work that that was uh, uh, allowing. And the second was, again, getting a little bit more introspective leading into the Advent season. Now, I've got to mention a couple of other days in here that are just... Uh, we have them in the church year, on the church calendar. Um, most people don't know about them. And if they did, they wouldn't care. After, after, really, after Pentecost, the Sunday after Pentecost is called Trinity Sunday. The Trinity Sunday, the celebration of the Trinity, which makes some sense. Um, you know, we are Trinitarians after all, and the other thing that the uh, the Nicene Creed that we talked about earlier was looking at her- dealing with heresies had to do with the th- the personhood of God, the three persons. How's that nature uh, worked out? So we have actually a Sunday that's dedicated to celebrating the Trinity, and you'll know it because you know that they- they've got some prayers and things in. Everybody ought to know about this. This is the book. If you got an Advent thing uh, that was put out here that told you about the celebration of Advent, and it had a little note saying BCP. This is BCP, Book of Common Prayer. Um, wonderful book, actually. Uh, we'll talk about that some other day. What are we doing here? Um, Trinity Sunday. Uh, The only thing I can recall ever in seminary getting about Trinity Sunday was the professor that said, the priest that gets up there and preaches on the Trinity is going to fall into heresy within five minutes. Amen. (laughs) Uh, I, 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 I preached Trinity Sunday for... 25 years, never fell into heresy, never preached the Trinity. <laughs> I'm no fool. I, I mean, if you've got bishops arguing about this and coming to blows at the Council of Nicaea because they can't get this theology right, I, I'm not bright enough to get into that fray. I, you know, it's one of those matters. If if you grew up in any of these things, uh, my wife is uh, is a Roman Catholic, former Roman Catholic, and there's this wonderful word, mystery, that covers a lot, and I'll use it frequently. I don't understand. It's a mystery. That's not like it's a, you know we need a detective. It's it's just beyond comprehension. It's God's work, and much that we try to understand is. Uh, purely just god 's work, so uh, that is <clears throat> that is one of the uh, special Sundays during the church year. We also c- uh, celebrate Transfiguration Sunday. I think that one 's pretty obvious um, no hold on a sec i ha- I have to get I have to see if I can find out what the date on that is it's I think it's in the Easter season, but uh I should have had this, shouldn't I but this I'll tell you a little bit about this this wonderful book. Um, at one of my prejudices, oh, here's a table to find Easter. Okay, I'm not going to find this as quick as I like. So, Evan, I'll get you that date. Um, I, I think it's in the Easter season, but I know that we also have the reading on transfiguration in Epiphany. But it's not Transfiguration Sunday. Don't ask me. I didn't make the calendar. I just live with it. What was the celebratory reason for the Transfiguration? Sunday? was Christ accomplishing anything through the Transfiguration besides revealing to those? Just revealing, yes. So just kind of yeah. And, 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 you know, the, the whole story of God, though, is the story of Him revealing Himself. Somehow. I mean, that's, that's what the Bible is. You know, this is a story of how God shows himself to his people and displays himself. Yes. 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 Yes, <laughs> well, uh, well, let me. Absolutely, today, absolutely, to yeah. Now I'll talk about that in just a second. But right. it, it's this sort of understanding of the calendar of the church year makes some sense. There is a movement in this. So you, do you see? We we have the penitential season as we prepare ourselves for the birth of Christ. We have the incarnational. Uh, uh, event. Then we get to the manifestations of God and God displaying himself. Then we become more penitent as we uh, begin to enter into Christ's life. And that Holy Week really puts us on the road uh, and allows us in a liturgical way to experience some of that uh, suffering of Christ um, Easter comes and you know everything is celebratory. We're experiencing the power of God and uh, raising Jesus from the dead. Then we have the uh, coming of the Holy Spirit, empowering the church to do God's work in the world. That season goes on and on and on. And the last Sunday, this is another one of those special days. Uh, this one doesn't show up in quite the same way, but it's celebrated. The last Sunday of the pentecost season is called Christ the King and it celebrates the kingship of Jesus the Lord of all and that's that's the sunday where every you know song about the kingship of Christ is you know crown him with many crowns and you know, some of my favorite stuff is done on that day because you're you're celebrating that as you then begin to go into the Advent season, which is looking for the coming of Christ again, as well as the birth of Jesus. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No, you blew right by it. You blew right by it. I didn't have a chance to tell Glenn about that one. (laughs) Yes. Uh, but I was going to ask you if in, in the church calendar is there a uh, is there any uh, memory of like the baptism of Christ or the temptation or something like that? Yes. Those are those are the baptism of Christ is celebrated in January um that that a lot of these get transferred to Sundays but it's not a Sunday. Uh and I can't remember exactly is which may be the 8th of January, somewhere around there. Um, The the Annunciation is uh, is another celebration. Uh, More Catholic or more high church. Um, uh, The Ascension, 40 days after Easter, that's a celebration that's done, again, by more... High church, my, my experience both as a congregant in the Episcopal Church early on and then as a priest, people weren't really interested in those midweek celebrations. We got them out for uh, Ash Wednesday, and uh, through hard work, I got most of my congregation out for Maundy Thursday. And yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, Oh yeah uh, the reformation Yeah the church calendar was pretty much established around the uh, 4th f- uh, century. Yeah. Yeah. In the Creed or Well, I think it, it, during the, that same council it was that when they determined the date for Christmas, but it, they didn't establish a calendar at that count, at the council. They just it was they were busy with other matters. Yes. Yeah, and it's a living schedule, too. I don't, know, I don't know about you, but I can't live in a penitential season forever. But I need to live in a penitential season sometime. And I can't, and, and the others, too, I can't live in a celebration mode forever. Or else, you know, you just buzz yourself out. I mean there has to be this kind of flow. So I I think there was wisdom in this, I, you know, but everything everything in the church calendar was established pre-Reformation. So all of the naysayers like a sort of system of uh, <laughs> come against no nun- you know, so I've heard, I've heard that. Yeah. I mm. mean, I just tell it more sort of the formational piece of having a day on Christmas is supposed to be, but is there, I don't you know, like that starts with Americans and what started on a pagan thing, and we try to take it over and spiritualize it. Is that true? Is it supposed to true? The date was, I mean, the date was early, In the early church was not established until the the 4th century, 300 and something. They they determined the date. But there was argument about whether that date should be December 25th or, interestingly, March. Yeah, but for whatever reason, the early church in its wisdom selected the December date. Yes. (laughs) Yes. There. <laughs> yeah, and, and there was certainly some argument about the, the celebration of the New Year because they, they, the calendar was certainly established at that time. So January 1st was, oh, I mean, New Year, we got a celebration. So there was a, a, certainly a part of that that was reclaiming uh, January 1st. By making Christmas what it was, and then I think January first becomes something in the life of Christ—the presentation at the temple or something—so um, it has Christian overtones. But I—I—I I, I don't know. I wasn't there. When did our current calendar <clears throat> the the regular the the like our 12 months. the Julian calendar. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, the calendar was established in I don't know, right around right around the time of Christ. Yeah. Okay. If we're if we're clear on that, and I've given you my 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 picture of the colors of the seasons, and you'll see that here they're changing colors. They're in purple now. Today uh, today is pink. Yeah, uh Today is pink. If you've got an Advent uh, wreath and you've got uh, candles in there, you've got three purple candles and one pink candle. um, This is uh, what they refer to as Gaudete Sunday, which is Refreshment Sunday. The theme is joy, the intro, um, introit um, psalm. Or song would be from Philippians, Rejoice in the Lord, always. I actually talked to Pastor Brady uh, before I came in here this morning. I said, what are you preaching on this morning? He says, Joy. I said, good, you've got it. (laughs) Yeah. But that's sort of a little break in this penitential season. I, I I told a couple of people this, that, you know, you... Their traditions get associated, and I don't know where some of them come from, but the four Sundays of Advent thematically, one tradition says that those four Sundays, the themes are death, judgment, heaven, and hell. Now, I, I've, 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 also, I've also preached 20, 25 years of Advent, and I don't remember doing any of those. So, yeah, so that refreshment Sunday. Um different. They watch all those Yes. Yeah. Um, we have a few minutes. Let me let me do this. I, Evan, I'm doing this again next week, is that right? <laughs> yes, we're scheduled to. Okay. So have oh, I, I, I can fill up time. <laughs> I'm just I'm just full of stuff. And, and if I get done with stuff, I get stories. <laughs> so that's even better. Um, let me ask you this. Are there things about a liturgical church expression that you just have questions about? Just, I just need to know that. Give me those and I'll be talking about them in the next week or so. It's okay. not just something you do at the church. Yeah. When I tried to do it on my own, uh, starting around two years ago, it was really intimidating. Mm. Especially when I see people with uh, books of common prayer that big. Sure. Um, so the second question would be, can you explain why yours is so big and maybe the difference between, because most of the 1979 versions I've seen are that pocket size. Yeah. And the 1928 version that I have is no bigger than a single I, model. Yeah. I, I actually have an 1879 version that's about yay baby, but I can't read it. The print is too small. Um, this one is so large because uh, from here on is the hymnal. <laughs> so I have all the great hymns of the church in here as well. But I, I would, I, I would uh, be happy, and I'm, let's make that something that we can talk about next week, about uh, the, the use of this book or some book like it in personal daily devotion, because this is meant for that. Actually, uh, anybody familiar with this, that the uh, Wesley brothers, ever hear hear of the Wesley brothers? Yes. Uh, And they're famous for what? The great, O. yeah, but uh, what, yeah, hymns, a lot of hymns. But what what church is associated with the West? Methodists. The Wesleys were Anglicans, and they never stopped being Anglicans. Huh? I will. I will talk about that next week when I answer his question. So I have no clue. Yeah. Well, we started. We started, united. We started fracturing like crazy. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm not going through the speakers but it's being recorded which is unfortunate. <laughs> Oh, Absolutely. absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. Yes. Well, the, the Episcopal and, and I can speak to the Episcopal because that's that's my background. The Episcopal Church, Episcopal, is word meaning bishops. The episcopate. So um, I have always understood myself as a clergy person to be a man under authority. And I find great safety in that. You know, because if I start going off and, and I'm human, <laughs> my wife will tell you that, you know, and I, and I could go off in any number of directions on my own ego trip, but there is an authority over me that will call me to account. Actually, I, you know, I was thinking about this. How many are long-time new lifers here? Okay. I was thinking about this uh, while the uh, events of new life with uh, Pastor Ted were going on. Because, you know, I was in town at that time at St. Francis, and, and I said, here you've got a terrible thing going on. We had, we, had, we had things like this go on in the Episcopal Church, trust me. We had uh, priests that, uh, you know, were caught in dalliances. I actually came into the church here in town, following a, a, a priest that ran off with the organist. I mean, how cliche is that? But I was looking at the events at New Life and thinking, uh, you know, how is this going to play out? Because this is one of those mega churches and without that covering, without that uh, sense of, of connectedness, how is there going to be discipline? And with people like... Uh, jim baker and jimmy swagger we saw things sort of fall apart so it was i was very interested i happened to meet with a uh, one of the overseers here at at that time and i was glad to see that there was a process that gave oversight to the church because i think that's critical in any any human endeavor we we need to have that i 'd be happy to talk about some icons and, and i you know yeah but i'll have to do a little research i'm not I'm not big on icons personally, but I do know uh priests that are w- way more anglo catholic than I that you know that that's very much a part of their devotion so i I would have to look <laughs> Oh, Foster. Foster, yeah. Yeah, but I don't, I don't understand how that fits in the church calendar and maybe dovetail it with the Book of Common Prayer. Sure. I'd like to apply that you know, in, into, I've had a practice since a kid, but I don't understand that piece. I sure. Dovetail. Okay. Yeah. I'll take a swing at that, yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I listen. Anything, anything can become rote. Anything can become deadly. I, I had people that would say, "You know, I, I'm not sure about that liturgical church. You people read your prayers. You people, Well, yeah, I read some prayers. There's some wonderful prayers in this book. I mean, there are prayers that were written by people, you know, uh, 1,700 years ago that are way smarter than I am. And I'm reading their prayer and saying, that's, you know, that catches the essence of something powerful. Uh, so, yeah, I, do we say the Lord's Prayer? <laughs> by rote? So it's, it's sort of what we put into it. So I think that you can get caught up in the actions one of the things that happened, let, let, let me give you a visual, if, if you don't mind. Um, wh- one of the things that happened during the, uh, the time of uh, Vatican II and, and the, and the uh, change in the liturgical churches, and this was huge. It used to be that this was the priest celebrating Mass, or what we call Communion. On the night before he died, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread and when he had given thanks to you, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. How interactive is that? Yes, well, yes. Yeah. So, So one of the big things was all of a sudden you're you're coming back to what we understand. And, and what I look at is the, as part of that liturgical renewal was trying to get back to the roots of what the church was like, which put it more into this kind of an arena, not, not, not even the churchy rows. And the church that I had uh, for 20 years up here was more in the round, which is much more the way it was when people were gathered in homes. It was much more... Uh, interactive, it wasn't, you know, the priest, I'm addressing God on your behalf because you can't do it. Okay. Well, wasn't that the spirit of a lot of the breakaway churches? A lot of the charismatic type churches were, were trying to get away from this very, but they could top-down. This guy alone can do it. And that's that yeah. what the Reformation is all about. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. the Reformation, uh, the, the Reformation was about a lot of things. Let's, I mean, let's be clear. Luther was, uh, was a reformer because he was saying this whole sale of indulgence thing is absolutely wrong. That's a, just a bad practice. Uh, Luther then absolutely got his theology uh, straight on uh, salvation. He got that by reading Romans. So. yeah <laughs> but it kind of said the reformation was largely over in light of that you know in, in some ways we're, but but this idea of ecumenism i mean we've been fighting this i i could give you some names there's you know like archic you know it's just anglican roman catholic something uh, you know the dialogues have been going on um the episcopal church and the lutheran church came to an agreement recently said oh yeah we can uh, we can agree on some things and 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 we can con celebrate and share and do these things, but we 're still far apart the The Lutheran idea of a bishop is somebody that 's just elected to that role for ten years the uh, the uh, episcopal anglican Roman Catholic view says you 're ordained forever you know you're it, that's Irenaeus that the the invisible seal has been put upon you. you can't just retire from being a bishop I can't retire from being a priest I mean that's, that's something that I am um, so yeah, Reformation has brought about a lot of change, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. like about the. I it's a basically St. Why those in place? We don't really why we Well, there were. <coughs> Historically, there are a number of Saints' days that have been. Established in the early church. I mean, Saint Peter. I mean, these are giants of the church, and and so there was there were uh, celebrations that were not usually Sundays. They're usually, you know, uh, the anniversary of his death or uh, martyrdom or something like that. So, um, uh, in, in Roman Catholic Church, you are saying if you were martyred. Um, so you've got Saint Stephen. You've got uh, uh, uh St Peter's uh, uh Paul um uh gosh yeah that, there's there's a whole number but their days are separate where you get them on a sunday usually is where the church has that name i was my church was st francis st francis of assisi okay he's a later say i mean but Francis was was saying sainted. the other thing is have miracles attributed to you? Uh, Francis had many. Uh, Francis also received the stigmata. Um, So there was a little dispute. But uh, St. Francis Day falls on October 4th. Well, we celebrated St. Francis Day on Sunday. What Sunday was closest? Because most people aren't coming out for a Tuesday or Friday or Thursday service. But so you you do that. So what did that look like? And why did you guys celebrate Saint Francis or St. Peter What does uh, what, it look like? It, it looks like any other Sunday, except your readings would change uh, from the from the lection to somehow reflect that. If you're doing Saint Peter, you'd have a reading from Peter's Epistle, you'd have uh, a reading in the gospel at related to Peter interacting with Jesus. Um, yeah, so... And, and then to what purpose? Why are we... Why do we have these things? Well, just uh, to... Just it's a remembrance, a recollection. Listen, I, I'll talk to you about saints because I think saints are wonderful. I, I, my, my, I just feel like downtown we've gotten the church calendar and the rhythm of it yeah. and how it puts us in the lights and celebration or whatever. But we... no. So I would, I wouldn't worry about the, about doing a lot of saints. Uh, one of the things, no. One of the things they say about I, I love this. I, I'll bring this because I, I'm I'm going to misquote it exactly, but Saint Francis. It says in his bio, um, one of the most revered, but least emulated of the saints. Yeah, everybody knows about him, but nobody wants to live like him. So, what's the importance? There are people that have been shining lights. These are I I love Peter. You get me preaching sometime. I'll preach Peter any day because he's my guy. You know he is a screw up. Not the brightest in the you know candle and you know he's my I love him. Why? Because he made it. And if he can make it, maybe I can too. So that's for me. That's what saints do. So yeah, put put on my million. Yeah, about the saints, the Catholic Church, which is different than the Church about praying to saints. Yes. Yeah. 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 Early on the churches, the church was very much connected to the to, to Judaism so a lot there's a lot of spillover even in the liturgical practice in in the liturgical church we would do psalms all the time all the time he 's not here now but this is the thing that we address for him yeah if you're doing the, if you're doing your daily office if you're reading you're reading psalms like you've never, I, you 've never you'll get a Get through them all in a month. Uh, I mean, they're just that's just part of. Well, that's Jewish. That's that's holdover from the Judaism that we're, you know, that this is a way. These these are hymns of praise or prayers to the to God that you know the church has been praying before it was the church. So there is a connection, but not not as uh, close as some would imagine. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Some of those moments are like intercostals. Like, yes. In yes. With all of the Jewish priests that there were and Jesus being a Jew himself, is there any benefit for us to continually recognize or understand the Jewish priests, like whether in our theology or in our practice? Like the Savior or like, something? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Pentecost is is not celebrated at all like the yeah. Jews would celebrate. There's there's been some move. Well, this is for next week, but there has been some move uh, recently to um, reclaim some. Uh, the Seder has been very very popular. Anybody done a Seder? Yeah. Do they? Yeah. So there's something about that. But we're looking at the Seder then as not Seder, but as the Last Supper, which takes us to Monday, Thursday and a wonderful liturgy. So.